Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Premier Chels, your source for all things Premier League, but starting with Chelsea first. Coming into you on your speakers and headsets, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I am Jackie from Houston, and I have Rahul here from Connecticut. Hey, Rahul, how's it going? Hey, Jackie, it's going well. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm excited that we had a couple of wins this week, huh? If you want to call them that. Don't start so grim just yet. (laughs) (laughs) No, but you're right. in the FA Cup and the ladies win as well, right? Yes, they did. The ladies was definitely more dominant than ours, <laughs> but we'll we'll have enough time to review both of them. So let's get started. Yeah, let's splice these games apart. So why don't you start off with the FA Cup and tell us what the starting lineup was and who we were playing? Yeah, so the FA Cup fifth round against Barnsley at the Oakwell Stadium, and. Tuchel started again in the 3-4-3, made 10 changes to the starting 11. The only player that survived from the Sheffield game over the weekend was Christensen. So Kepa back in goal, Christensen, Zuma, and Emerson center backs. Yes, I said Emerson as a center back. Hudson-Odoi, Conte, Billy Gilmore, and Alonso in midfield with Hudson-Odoi and Alonso as the wing backs. Hakim Ziyech, Tammy Abraham, and Christian Pulisic up top. Yeah, so I think in the last episode, you and I both said Chelsea must be kicking themselves for letting Fikayo Tomori go. And no disrespect to Emerson, I think he's a quality player on his day, but he's not really a centre-back by any means necessary. But who knows, maybe he's trying to do what they did to Aspiliqueta and see if he could slot in there. And we'll split the match open here and talk about it and see if he did well. I agree. I was surprised to see Emerson playing on as a centre-back, but I think the idea was... Let's just give it a shot and see what happens. And I think now Tuchel knows that that's not really an option. Uh, but on on the other side, Barnsley matched us in the three four three system, uh, similar to what Sheffield did, playing a back three and then you know trying to go man for man like uh, Barnsley did. And they benefited from that in that they were the much much better team throughout the game. At least in the first forty five minutes, they should have been one maybe two goals up and they didn't give us any time on on the ball they pressed us they were energetic it almost felt like we were playing Barcelona wow I must confess I didn't have an opportunity to watch the game and I rely on you when I'm you know deep in these work weeks to let me know what's going on and typically you're absolutely excellent at letting me know it's exciting there's an amazing pass we control the game but you were very, very silent for the first 30 minutes of that game until you said, this is not going so well. <laughs> and I came home and watched the highlights, and I have to say I'm in complete ag- agreement with you. It was garbage, man. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, for me, it was the worst game under Tuchel so far. I know he hasn't had many games, but from what we've seen, this was by far the worst one. And yes, the pitch wasn't the best it was bumpy uh, and we should have had a penalty with uh, Tammy Abraham but all that kind of you know is just secondary you've got to perform and, and do the basics right we've, as we've been saying for months and this was the first time under Tuchel that I've seen us very lethargic and just kind of lost in the first half at least yeah do you have some stats for us to help me understand exactly what happened in this game yeah so we in total took six shots on goal and only had one on target and that was the goal 
that's quite disappointing to hear, especially against the Barnsley, who we beat 6-0 earlier in the season. Exactly, and a Barnsley team that is sitting 13th in the championship. So, yes, they were good this game. They've been good uh, under their manager. I forget his name right now. Um, but he, you know, he's got them playing energetically and, and playing very well. Valerian Ismail, uh, a former Bayern Munich and Crystal Palace defender. And credit to him that he realized that if I'm Matt Chelsea and just turn up the energy in my team... They're going to struggle, and we struggled for a lot of this game. Yep, it's definitely something that I've noticed, especially coming back to the Sheffield game, is especially when a team gets to be very physical with us and push us around, we seem to lose control of the game. And not when I say lose control of the game, what I mean to anybody listening is it doesn't mean we lose possession, because I thought we had the bulk of the possession in this game anyway. It's just that fluid passing that quick one-twos that we're used to, that pace. It seems like Barnsley were better set up to keep breaking us down and breaking us down and breaking us down. And obviously, I think they had more shots, more shots on target, kept our goalkeeper more engaged, which means that every time they broke down the ball, they did something with it. And that's the biggest thing I've, I've noticed in the last couple of games is if they are physical enough and they break us, we don't know what to do. And I've complained about this with Frank before is... If plan A fails, what is plan B? And like I said, I didn't get to watch the whole game. I watched a little bit of the highlights. I think at least at one part of the game, I forget when, Tuchel started to change it into a back four maybe, which I'm hopeful that means he's at least understanding and analyzing the game. And, and rightly so, he's a top quality manager. He should be able to do that and and make a change and see that's needed. But I think it was a little bit too late, right? The change came in the second half, you're right. He switched it to a back four, took Alonso and Christensen off, and brought on Rudiger. Uh, and, you know, that helped us change the way we were playing. We were a little more energetic. We were a little more attacking, threat in the final third. But it still wasn't what you would expect against a championship side. And, yes, I know Barnsley were giving it their all. This was their one chance to, you know, make it to the quarterfinals. But for me, it was still not what I expected from this game. And I, I don't expect us to win by 6-0 again, but at least be a little more threatening. Not Don't require Kepa to make saves right on the, on the goal line. Don't require Tammy to clear off from the goal line. So it was quite an underwhelming game for me. Especially since you and I both predicted, quote-unquote, high-scoring goals. With, I think you said a 3 nil. I think I said a 4 nil. And two statements I'll make here is no disrespect to Barnsley at all. Because, yes, you're in the championship, but the championship can be pretty competitive. But also in the same breath, credit to Barnsley. Credit is due where credit is. They really performed well. They performed as a unit. Chelsea did perform as a unit. I, I do, I do want to say that. Because at times in the past, we performed as individuals. It just seemed as though we didn't have an idea when we couldn't break them down which is typical of the Chelsea of this season going back to the game, first game of the season. And it's my concern is, what do we do different? Yes, we're in a different formation, but it's back to the same thing where I don't know what else to do, so we'll just keep hammering at it and hopefully something will happen. And, and luckily it did. It did. And the, the concerning thing for me is if we struggle against Barnsley, who just matched us man for man, Imagine when we go up against an Atletico Madrid or Manchester United later this month and pull out a similar formation, albeit different players. Yes, the 
the squad that played today isn't used to playing in a back three and playing the way Tucho wants because they've not featured as much under him. So I do realize that. But on the other side, I think he may have realized that not all the players in the squad are equipped to be playing in a back three and therefore he switched it to a back four. Yeah, I think I have to argue with you a little bit on that one because these are Kurt Zuma, Andres Christensen, Emerson to some degree, are quality players. And it's not like they woke up and joined Chelsea yesterday or, or this is Tuchel's first game in charge, right? He They're going through the same tactics that the starting lineup is going against. And like you said, we didn't match these three against a Barcelona. Again, I mean that with full respect to Barnsley. He matched them against Barnsley, which means whatever formation he's playing in, the team need to be able to step up. And, I, and I'm singling out the back three. It's not fair to them. The, the front three themselves as well were not that brilliant, in my opinion. But why don't you take us through the one goal that happened? Because the exciting thing that's out of this is that it was made in Cobham. It absolutely was. Billy Gilmore to Reese James and Reese James to Tammy Abraham, who puts us ahead 1-0. It ends up being the winning goal of the game. Uh, doubts around an offside call which VAR wasn't involved in this game because as you may know and some of the listeners may know is VAR is only used in the FA Cup at Premier League grounds which blows my mind that's very interesting considering these referees are watching on a TV screen anyway so why not be able to have the opportunity to do that but hey there's no VAR it's beneficial for us but we need to talk about Tammy Abraham here for a couple of minutes because not only did he score the goal, he also had a goal line clearance in the last few minutes, which I'm very, very critical of Tammy Abraham, and I'm here to speak my mind. I didn't think it was his best game in a Chelsea shirt by any means necessary, but what I did like to see, which is something I've criticized him of in the past, is that he kept hustling. He kept trying and trying and trying, and that's something that I've always wanted to see from every player, not just Tammy. And the fact that he did that was enlightening to me that he can he can do that job of not giving up and continuing to do that running and pushing and the goal comes it does and you're right he did keep hustling and and forcing his way through he should have had a penalty in the first half like i said didn't get that and didn't give up and and didn't lose hope and then pops up with the goal and then the goal line clearance for me is equally important because if he doesn't score and that goal goes in you know, it's we're on the other side of the result, and if he they if he doesn't clear it, we're now tied one one, and we have to play another thirty minutes, which just adds to to our issues. So, overall, a great performance from Tammy Abraham. One of the few positives from this game. There's another positive that I can think of. I was actually reading the news, and someone said the commentator made two statements a couple of times, saying, "What a wonderful save there from Arisa Balaga." And someone commented right below that statement saying, I haven't heard that statement in a very, very long time. So you watched the game. How was Kepa's performance? He was he was good. And you've got to give credit to him. He made a couple of good saves in the first half. Uh, save from point blank range, which was shot at him. But he def- saved it with his leg. And overall in the game, he looked good. You know, there wasn't that much that uh, he did wrong which is very rare because sometimes we've been on this podcast and spoken about could he have done better with that shot or could he have done better with the save and today he didn't have any of those issues he looked pretty solid yeah absolutely and and one other player we need to talk about a little bit is billy gilmore 
because Tuchel has not criticized him but said he's looked a little bit lightweight. What did you make of his performance? He was good. I, I want to say in the first half he was a little off in that I think he was just finding his feet in in that formation and the pitch wasn't good in terms of slick passing and it was bobbling around. And Billy Gilmore, you know, is very, you know, technical with his passing and his ability to move the ball fast. So I think he struggled, but then once we moved into a back four, he got a little more freedom to drift forward and, and do his thing with Conte being the defensive guy. And it was good to see them as a partnership because we haven't seen much of them together. Absolutely, because I think he's one for the future for sure. So any opportunity he can get to play is going to be something that I'm going to look keenly towards. One other question I have for you is Christian Pulisic. And I'm a big, big, big Christian Pulisic fan. I know a lot of our listeners out here are big Christian Pulisic fans. You had texted me maybe halfway through the game saying, not halfway, but somewhere down in the second half saying he was off for a substitute or something like that. And I think your comment to me was, he doesn't look the same. And I was hoping you can enlighten our listeners on what you meant by that. I, I do understand because Christian seems to have lost his spark a little bit and maybe it's injury or whatnot, but why don't you give us a little bit of feedback on what you were thinking by that comment? Yeah, what I meant by that comment was, I don't know, maybe our expectations from Christensen are going back to Project Restart where he was just fabulous. And we haven't seen that enough this season. Yeah, he's been in and out of the team. When he started getting a regular run of games, the team overall wasn't doing well under Lampard. And then there's been a switch in manager and he hasn't started up until today. And if I'm Tuchel and I'm sitting on the bench and I'm looking at Pulisic, who's finally making his first start under me, I didn't see that much to make me think I got to play him the next game. And that's the concerning part of him because you know the skill is there, the talent's there, the potential's there. For some reason, it's just not coming out this season. And with our fan base who are quickly, you know, quickly jump onto the backs of players who aren't performing, I'm afraid that it's only a matter of time if the performances don't come from Pulisic that the questions are going to come up and there's going to be criticism and then the media is going to pick up on it. And then, you know, one thing leads to another and we're now talking about is he a flop? Is he not good enough to be in the Premier League? He's shown us he's good enough to be in the Premier League, and he's made some amazing appearances, amazing assists, amazing goals altogether, especially given Project Restart. Obviously, he had a long break where he could get fit. He is that type of player that seems to fight little injuries here and there throughout the season, and sometimes with a little injury, he's not at his full 100%. Now, given all that, we've sat here and talked quite a bit about Timo Werner and his struggles and he was mad of the match in the previous game, and he really did perform extremely well. And I'm wondering if Tuchel will be able to give that opportunity to Pulisic, whether that means kind of let him sit out and get back to full fitness and then keep his morale going. I, for one, hope and I pray and I plead to everybody listening, the U.S. media or the U.S. sports media really tend to slander or beat up Christian Pulisic anytime he seems to have a little bit of a blip. But... The talent is there. The quality is there. We believe in Christian Pulisic. I think Chelsea as a whole believe in him. They wouldn't have invested that much money bringing him to the club. So it is a little bit concerning, but I think if anybody can manage it the same way they're managing Werner right now, it would be Tuchel. I agree. And I, I, I for one, don't think you know Pulisic isn't 
going to make it. I just think he's going through a bad run of form and not getting the breaks and the the goals he was getting or the assists he was getting. But it will come. I think it's just a matter of time. And this is a crazy season. We've spoken about that in the past about the new signings. We've spoken about that with some of the other players that were struggling. And we don't know what the issue was with Pulisic in the last game. They said a family issue. That may be something that was weighing in on his mind in this game. So I just hope that he can put some of these issues with the injuries, family issues behind him. And in the next two, three months in the season, stay fit and perform when given the opportunity. I wholeheartedly agree and wishing Christian the best. So any other thing we need to talk about with uh, Chelsea? Do we have a man of the match here? (laughs) I think there's one more thing we need to talk about. And that is Hakim Ziyech. Sure. Tell me about Hakim. So What's he on your comes mind? back into this game and looked very rusty. And I don't know. I At this point of the season, he could be a valuable asset to this mm-hmm. team. But I think he's definitely not fit. And I, I'd rather him, if possible, spend some time just getting fit with the under-23s and featuring in their game, similar to what uh, Manchester United have done with their new signing, uh, Diallo. And just let Ziyech do his thing, get fit, get some game time, and then come back into the first team picture because we know what he can do. It's just not happening right now. It really is unfortunate given some of the names I'm going to mention here in Tammy Abraham, Timo Werner, Christian Pulisic, Kai Havertz, and of course, Hakim Ziyech. You're talking about five really top quality players that either at some point have had a decent run and at other times have not, but all five have not been in form at the same time. And I'm licking my lips here in, in hope that somewhere down this season, if not, you know, at least next season, they come together, especially with a player like Mason and Callum who have been in form. Chelsea do have a very exciting firing line, especially if they're all firing at the same time. When you text me saying Chelsea should slaughter a team, I can believe you at that point in time. So I'm going to have to just wait and be patient. Once all of these boys come into form at the same time, it's something that's going to be worth it to see. And I can give you predictions of 4-5 nail, not the 1-nail or a draw here or there. But no, I completely agree with you. He does look rusty. But this is the point of, again, no disrespect to Barnsley playing less opposition and giving him some minutes to kind of run it out here. So. That's true, and I, you bring up a good point that once these guys start firing, it's going to be a good time. So it'll be exciting. Lo- yeah, looking forward to it. But that's it on this game, one nil win. And at this point of the season, and at this stage of this competition, a, a win is all that matters. And so we win and we move on to the quarterfinals. Yeah, exciting. And then quickly wrapping up, I think there's no other person to be man of the match other than Tammy Abraham. I don't know if you agree or disagree. That I, I agree. I think he was good on both ends and deserves to get man of the match absolutely so we have any other fa cup games for this uh, episode yeah so there was a bunch of other games in the fifth round it started with bournemouth beating burnley which was kind of a surprise because bournemouth are in the championship and burnley have been doing decently but under caretaker manager jonathan woodgate you may remember that name is this a blast from the past here <laughs> <laughs> no uh, he's just a caretaker manager right now after they fired their manager recently. And he's doing well for them. Gets them into the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. So good luck to them. Manchester United beat West Ham. And your favorite player, you call him the Zidane of Manchester, scored. Scott McTominay then, huh? 
there you go. 1-0 in extra time. And Manchester City beat Swansea 3-1. No surprises there. Manchester City seemed to be flying. But it was good to see some of the U.S. men's national team players, Jordan Morris, Paul Ariola, and Zach Steffen, feature in this game. Uh, so that was good. Leicester beat Brighton 1-0. Sheffield beat Bristol City 1-0. And Sheff- Sheffield United continued their run in the cup. Hope it ends in the next round, but we'll get to that. <laughs> Uh, Southampton beat Wolves 2-0, which was good for Southampton because they've been struggling a bit recently. But on the Wolves side, it's... It's the flip side of this. They're struggling now as well. Yeah, it's concerning. It's not going the way we thought it would be, but hopefully they can turn it around. And then the game of the round came at Goodison Park. Nine goals, and Everton beat Spurs 5-4. So, really, what does this mean for Jose Mourinho at this point? Is that his third loss on a bounce or something like that i think so he lost to liverpool lost to brighton lost to chelsea wow and then won against Brest brom and then again lost to to everton so if you score four goals away from home and still don't win that's that's concerning right coming from a jose Mourinho team who's famous for locking down the defense that's interesting to hear that scoreline but on the flip side, Everton now has scored eight goals in two games, right? Which means they are coming into some wonderful scoring form here. They are, and, and they got goals not just from Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who scored the first one but then went off injured, and still found four other goals. So Carlo Ancelotti must be pleased, even though he didn't look so when they scored the winner. <laughs> Maybe because they conceded four. I don't know. Carlo Ancelotti is <laughs> very used to having clean sheets. But no, kudos to, to Everton. That's a wonderful result for them there. Absolutely. So, and just the last thing on this game was that's the benefit of these one tied knockout games where you just have to give it your all. And if you win, you move on. And if you don't, you go home. So I hope it continues next season. But all that means that a quarterfinal stage is set in the FA Cup and Everton play Manchester City. So that should be another good game. Bournemouth play Southampton, Leicester play Manchester United, so that'll be a good one too, and then Chelsea hosts Sheffield United. At this point in the FA Cup, anybody can beat anybody. I say that about many competitions here, but really we're down to the meat and potatoes of this particular format, and it's knockout. It's going to be a chance for any team to win some silverware, at least get very close to winning some silverware, so I'm sure everybody's really focused on this as we get closer. Definitely, and from our perspective, I think an okay draw. Yes, we sh- struggled against Sheffield the other day, but I think it should we should be targeting at least the semifinals based I would on agree this with round. That. Yeah, I would agree with that. There's no other way we should be pushing towards getting past Sheffield at this point in time. Yeah, so the fixtures to be played the weekend of March 20th. So as we get closer, we'll do a, a review and uh, sorry, a preview and. We'll see how that goes. A few more games under Tuchel by then. So, Moving on to the Chelsea women's. and There was a little bit of blip in the last week where they lost to Brighton. But they bounced back in the London Derby and won 3-0 against Arsenal. Yeah, wonderful news. Especially when you lose in that previous match which breaks your 32-game unbeaten streak. It, it's... Don't want to compare it to the men, but I will for just a second. When Chelsea lost their 16 or 17 unbeaten game streak, that's when it was kind of the beginning of the end for Lampard and that particular team. But very nice to see how quickly they bounce back and absolutely exciting when it's against Arsenal. So sorry for the Arsenal listeners there. London is blue. 
But yeah, you're right. It was a perfect response to the disappointment against Brighton and losing that streak. And it shows you the, you know, the chemistry and the talent and the determination from the squad to put things right. And just one player I want to touch on, and that's Pernail Harder. She's been looking like a real player, and she's turning into a player that the team can rely on game after game. She recently scored a hat-trick, has been involved in a lot of positive things that Chelsea have been doing. And she's been just with the team from this past summer. She was signed from Wolfsburg and signed for a world record fee in the women's game. So a trivia question for the listeners out there. What, how much did Chelsea pay for her? So we'll post something on Instagram and Twitter. You can let us know your answer, and whoever gets it right, we'll give you a shout-out in the next episode. Uh, but just continuing to touch on her, you know, she's almost... I don't want to make that comparison just yet, but similar to Lampard makes the run from a deeper position and then gets into the box and finishes the moves with a goal. And that's excellent to see because you have the threat of Fran Kirby, Sam Kerr as the forwards, but then you have another option from midfield coming a little bit late and providing it uh, another option in, for the goals. No, I think with any team, it's good to have that different dynamic. And we've talked about this before. It does take some pressure off of the forwards, especially if you've got a different type of player coming in, especially if you're comparing her to Frank. If she can time her runs to the way that he did in his entire career, I have no doubt that she's going to be extremely successful for Chelsea. And speaking of success, in the 17 games she's played for Chelsea since signing, she's won 15 on them and drawn the other two. So Incredible. That just shows you the you know what she brings to the squad on the attacking side. And I hope it continues in the next game this Sunday against Bristol City. Absolutely agree. Good luck to them. So moving on, Jackie, now that we've spoken about upcoming games, we have a game on Monday, the 15th, against Newcastle United. And that is a very, very tasty fixture there because Newcastle United, I wish we could have played them maybe four weeks ago, but they've been coming back into form a little bit recently. So who do you think is going to be our starting eleven? You're right. They have been coming into form. And before I give you my starting 11, they've won their last game against Southampton 3-2 and have picked up, in terms of returning back from injury, uh, St. Maximum has come back, so he's always a threat. Miguel Almiron, an MLS, ex-MLS player, has been doing well for them. But they've also lost Callum Wilson, so should be interesting what they put out. But I think our team, back to a 3-4-3 again, most of the regulars will be back. I think many back in goal. Espelicueta, Christensen comes in again for Silva. Rudiger on the other side. Reese James, Jorginho Kovacic, Alonso, midfield. Hudson Adoy, Mount. And if Timo Werner is fit, I'd play him up top. Yeah, I like the top three that you selected there. I think they bring a lot of pace and a lot of mobility, so it'll be exciting to see. And just quickly to touch on Newcastle United here. Alan St. Maxima assisted two goals in his previous match, so. He's somebody that I admire as a player because I think he brings a lot of tricks, flicks, and energy. So definitely somebody to watch out for with Jorginho in the middle. I think we criticized him in one of the podcasts as far as pace and defensively goes. So I'm going to be watching this game with my fingers crossed because I think we can win it. But I want to make sure that everybody's fully focused and paying attention to all the players on the field. 
I agree, and it's going to be interesting what Steve Bruce does because he's seen the last two games, Sheffield and Barnsley, and he's seen that in a 3-4-3 system, we struggle against the other team who's playing the same system. So he may come out with the same thing. Yeah, and we did a video show with a gentleman out of Newcastle called Dan on the Premier League conversation, and he kind of criticized Steve Bruce a little bit about having the old English manager tactics, which is very defensive, very blocky, and then lump it forward, and then the last 70, 80 minute start trying to nick a win here. So I've noticed that Chelsea, when we have, again, like I repeat, a physical team, low block, very compact, and then the last 20 or so minutes when they start to attack, we can be a little bit shaky. So again, I think it's a good game. What do you think we're going to end up taking out of the game win a draw what's your prediction i think we win it you know and if results go our way in the other fixtures before monday we could come into this game with you know needing a win to go back into the top four so from that point of view a win is an absolute necessity and i think we win it two no i would like to be in full agreement with you here actually for the first time when we do our score predictions i think two nail is a fair result given the quality of our squad, it should be something where we can put a couple goals in. I'm just going to sit back and hope that happens. I've been a little bit concerned with the last two performances, but I think it's time for Chelsea to take it to a second gear. So 2-0 as well. I hope so, and I hope hudson Adoy and Aspilicueta get in into the goals and clean <laughs> sheets because I need to win in my fantasy Premier League. There you go. <laughs> but that's one of a number of fixtures this weekend, so let's touch on some of the other ones. It's Leicester versus Liverpool, and Leicester sit above Liverpool in the table, so this is a third versus fourth clash, and Liverpool kind of need a win here. Yeah, it's a big game, third versus fourth, like you said. Liverpool have been struggling quite a bit with injuries, and I know it's easy for any team to say that, but for Liverpool, I actually do feel for them with the amount of injuries they've had. They have signed recently two centre-backs, not necessarily some major names that anybody would know, but they have pulled in reinforcements in the January transfer window, so hopefully those players get fit and can come back into the squad. On the flip side, I don't know if you know if Jamie Vardy is back fully fit for Leicester or not. They seem to be a completely different team, in my opinion, without Vardy in there. So a lot of this will depend on Jamie Vardy, will depend on if Liverpool can pull the two centre-backs that they signed, or even one of them, into the squad. It's going to be an exciting fixture, but I think Liverpool need the win, just like you stated. I think it's going to be one nail to Liverpool. I believe Vardy is back, and I think he featured in the FA Cup game off the bench. So a good opportunity for him to get some minutes, and I think he starts on uh, Saturday morning. That's the early kickoff. And you're right, Liverpool need the win, and I think they start one of their new centre-backs in this game because what's the point of buying them right. if you're not going to play them? Uh, and Kabak, who's the young defender they've loaned out of Germany, has the potential and is a very good young player, so maybe a good time to put him in, especially with Vardy's pace. Yeah, and the other player they signed from the championship, Ben Ben White, I believe is his name. Ben Davies. Know. Ben Davies, that's right. Yeah. Ben Davies knows the English game. So at the risk of trying to rush the German player really, really quickly into the squad, again, no disrespect. The championship is a very tough league. 
it's something that he can be slotted in there with the likes of other quality players and maybe they can guide him through the process but what's your prediction on that one i don't think i grabbed that yeah so i think it's gonna end one one it's gonna be a tough game for both sides but one one seems to be fair So the other fixture, another fun fixture that they keep coming in the league is Manchester City versus Spurs. <laughs> I feel bad for Tottenham Hotspurs because they are going through a difficult time. And <laughs> when it rains, it pours. You don't want to play Manchester City when they seem to be on the hottest form they can ever be on. Manchester City just came off a thrashing of Liverpool. They just played in the FA Cup and won that as well, which is with their quote-unquote second team as well. So it's going to be, interesting is not the word, but it's going to be, I'm curious to see what Jose Mourinho does with this particular game. Jose Mourinho is very famous for switching it up to manage the bigger teams. He couldn't do that necessarily against Chelsea. So I think with the form City are in, Ilkay Gundogan has been scoring left, right, and center. Raheem Sterling, Phil Foden. I mean, the list goes on and on. I think 3-0 to Manchester City. Sorry, Jose. Wow. I, Jose might disagree because he loves to show up against Pep and spoil the party. Yeah. But you're right. Manchester City have been very good. The last time they dropped points was on December 15th. And the last time they didn't score a goal at all in the game was December 12th. So since then, they've just been firing on all cylinders. And they've lost Kevin De Bruyne. Even then, they've performed. They've barely had a striker this season. They've performed. So it's going to be tough for me to think of anything else but a Manchester City win. But you know Jose performs best when everything's against him and his back's against the wall. So I think it's going to be tighter. I think it'll be a 2-1 win for City, but it could end up being a, a Jose Mourinho special where they nick it like 1-0 right at the end. Yeah, and I actually read a quote from Ruben Diaz stating that he loves being a def- defender and he loves taking pride in watching other teams struggle, which it's both scary, but it's also amazing to see the mentality of a player that even though he doesn't always contribute going forward as far as goals come, the fact that he takes pride in seeing other teams struggle is something of mentality that... Maybe it's just him, but maybe it's also something Pep is breathing through his entire squad. And he's only 23. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, he's, he may want to see other teams suffer for a while, and he will, especially with Manchester City. But he's going to be up against Harry Kane, who's one of the best forwards in the league, if not the world. So it'll be good to see him get tested, mm-hmm. and we'll see what it happens. But a, a good game for sure. Absolutely. Another good game coming up and this is good in the sense that it's two managers that are tactical that may tweak their systems a little bit and that's Arsenal versus Leeds it is a good game in the fact that you've mentioned that there are two managers that have that similar method of thinking and whatnot but I just don't know what's what's the deal with Arsenal and I, I don't know how to say that any better than that because we criticize them they come back on a great run of form they fall off to the side again and it's a little bit like Chelsea where the players sometimes are on, sometimes they're off. I don't really know exactly what you, you call this other than people are not focusing or whatnot. Leeds, on the other hand, seem to be very different. They can come in on one game and thrash somebody 5-0 and go to another game and lose 5-0. And I think, yes, tactically, that's what Marcelo Bielsa wants. But I also think it's the way he plays. 
and what he demands from his players. And I actually watched an interview of Patrick Bamford where he said, "What does they asked him, what does Marcelo Bielsa ask of the team? And he said, to be honest with you, to run till we can't run anymore. And sometimes I don't do it. Sometimes I'll get a little jog and the gaffer will scream at me and say, keep running. But sometimes when they do that, you're going to burn out the other team and really, really cause Arsenal to think twice, especially with some of the players I've seen and how Arsenal turns up. So a roundabout way, I think Leeds are going to be the better team in this particular fixture, and I think Leeds are going to take it 2-0. That's a good analysis of both teams, and uh, Leeds set above Arsenal, actually, in 10th position, and Arsenal set in 11th. So if Arsenal have any ambitions of getting into European spots, at least Europa League at a minimum, I think they need to start picking up some spots some points and after their last two losses uh, this would be a good way for them to get their 10th win of the season in the Premier League so I don't think that happens I think it'll be a draw and I think it ends 2-2 because both teams have the potential to score but also concede yeah it's a fair analysis and potentially a fair result because it keeps them kind of in that mid-table tier and other than some of these games there are other teams behind Chelsea that have a couple of games in hand so it'll be interesting to see. I'm going to wait and watch and potentially and hopefully we can slide into top four for this weekend. So we'll see. Fingers crossed. Yep. And so the last game I have on my list here is West Brom versus Manchester United. Yeah. And on paper, it should just be a simple win for Manchester United. But we've seen when they come up against these, you know, struggling teams at the bottom, they kind of don't perform like they should Manchester United. <laughs> yeah, and, and yes, on paper, Manchester United should win this one, but this is the Premier League. I don't want to keep being the broken record that says anybody can beat anybody, but realistically, that is the truth. Anybody can beat anybody. So um, it's a tough one to call, I have to be honest with you, because I don't want to discredit West Brom, but I think Manchester United are going to want to put their foot down and show that they have the opportunity to win this game, and I think they're going to win 2-0. I agree with you. I don't think there's anything else but the Manchester United win in this. And if for some reason City drop points the day before, then Manchester United will have, you know, their their determination and motivation to get the win. So I think a 3-1 win for Manchester United. Fair shout. Hopefully that happens. So that's the preview for the upcoming weekend. Premier League is back after a short break for the FA Cup games this midweek, but an exciting weekend of games. It goes from Saturday to Monday, and the last game of the weekend is Chelsea versus Newcastle. So we'll have to wait a little bit to see our team play, but on the same side, I'm happy that they get a few days off and can get to relax and come back. Agreed, and some wonderful fixtures for everybody to tune into this weekend as well. And if you're playing fantasy football, good time to make some changes before the deadline on Saturday morning. And Jackie, you've got a top of the table clash against one of our listeners here on the podcast. So wishing you both the best. May the best team win. Um, and I hope I can close the gap on whoever loses. <laughs> that is the hope, my friend. And I think we said this before on this podcast, but I'll repeat it. I think for next year, for anybody listening, let us know if you're interested in a TPC Fantasy Premier League. It's a little bit different from an open league, but it is a lot of fun to try and pick the best player and try to get those wins so let us know absolutely let us know and and don't forget the trivia question 
how much did Chelsea pay for Per Nile Harder from Wolfsburg over the summer? And whoever sends us the right answer will get a shout out on the next episode. But that's it, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Continue to subscribe, like, follow us. It's at the Premier Chels. Uh, if you're searching for the podcast, it's on Apple, Spotify, Google, and all the other major podcast providers. And on social media, we're on Twitter and Instagram, and actually also on Facebook now. So join our group, get in, get in part of the conversation, reach out to us. Facebook is a good way for us to connect a little bit more and discuss these games. So search for at the Premier Chels. And as always, send us your feedback, and we will be later. We'll be back later uh, next week. Actually, we'll do a Newcastle review, and then we'll preview the next game after that. So until then, stay safe and up the chels. <laughs>